Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between. Welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It's Wednesday, February 7th, 2024, and you're listening to episode number 635. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show are two distinguished guests, Mr. Bob Breyer. Yeah, are we the three musketeers, and does that make me D'Artagnan? If you want to be D'Artagnan, you can be D'Artagnan, Bob. You can be anybody you want. Oh, okay. Thank you. You're welcome. And in the other corner, Mr. John Burkle. Coming out swinging. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are uh, the three amigos. This evening, everybody else has uh, gone elsewhere, and we wish them a happy recovery from migraines, a happy recovery from just walking in from New York City, which is always exhausting. Uh, a happy, I don't know what he's up to anymore, but I hope his show is going well. And I think that about covers it. We're going to talk about comics. We're going to exercise a few demons this episode. And uh, we're going to answer a fun question at the end. So uh, there was a little bit of news this past week, but it's still kind of developing. So I think mm-hmm. I'm going to let it sit. And uh, see what happens. There was like a mass exodus from uh, like a, an art seller uh, over the past few days. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. And um, I tried reading about it. And funnily enough, the article was like, this is what you need to know about the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, cool. This is, you know, the catch all that I need. I read like the first five paragraphs. I still have no idea what happened. <laughs> so talk about burying the weed. It's bad reporting. Uh, okay. Um, I was not here last week. Last week was... It was a very calm and relaxing show. Yeah, we're going to go Absolutely. fun. Mm-hmm. We're going to go fun. Fun, fun, fun. fun. Um, no, seriously, it was a good time. I would like to thank a couple of people out there in Radioland. Uh, y'all have been messaging us, whether it be on the Instagram or through Twitter or even the Facebook account uh, every now and again has a, uh, a notification for a message. I'm always surprised by those. But um, yeah, thanks for hanging in with us as we kind of stumble into this new year. We're glad that you're enjoying the shows. We have a couple of we heard from a couple of new people, which was really nice. And uh, I want to send a special shout out to a listener who alerted me to a audio snafu that we had last week. So if you went in and listened to the episode with Stephanie's interview, the that part was fine. The later part with just us got a little messed up because we had multiple disconnects. And then those files 
layered on top of one another and whether it be simple cast or elsewhere didn't know what to do with it uh and so the like later end of that podcast ended up being a little bit borked but i went back in and i relayered it and i recut it and i re-uploaded it so if you want to go back if it, if you dipped out feel free to go back if there's any issues with it please tell me uh or in the future if you ever notice audio problems uh just you contact me i'll see what i can do about it um sometimes it's a very easy fix other times it's uh a little time consuming and i can't get to it right away but we will always do the best that we can uh to deliver quality in so far as we are able to deal in quality uh sometimes it's a crapshoot but um all right i'm feeling uh I'm feeling spicy. I'm feeling hungry. It took 40 minutes to get my food this evening at a uh, redacted chicken restaurant. And um, I have to say, they handled it like champs. Not only did the time pass very quickly, they gave me like three boxes of extra food to That's nice. compensate for the weight. So we have lunch for like the next two days, nice. uh, which is very cool. So yeah, are they actually cold redacted? No. Now that they did something nice, you should you should plug them. Come on, uh, give them a it's plug. my my favorite fast chicken joint that uh, just set up here in uh, in London a couple of months ago called Church's Chicken. Mm-hmm. It is delicious. Yeah. And they do the right thing. So how, how could that be wrong? Yeah, they're very they've always been very cool down there. They, they're understaffed and there's a lot of people that go in there. But when I ordered my food, they were like, you got 15 minutes? And I said, sure. And like, here we are 40 minutes later. And I'm just playing on my phone, merging crap in my little Midas merge game. And they finally call me over. I walk over there and they were super apologetic and basically handed me a like cargo box of food. And uh, I was very grateful. It was very, very nice of them to do that. Uh, but if I mute myself because I'm munching on my food, that's uh, that's a thing that's going to happen. So get used to it. How's everybody doing? Living the dream. Bob, how you feeling? <laughs> okay. Not great still, but okay. Um, buried in paperwork. Ugh. Uh, from various hospitals and doctors and agencies and my accountant. So, well, you know, sort it out, I guess. If not, yeah. Yeah. I got a I got a fun one for you related to paperwork. Real quick. So, back in August, I submitted my recertification for my New York State disability because that is in fact what I am. Uh, I depend on that money to get us through the months. And so I found out over the weekend that my set up with them was suspended. Why? Because they got my uh, paperwork, but never bothered to open it and or file it from August. Good on them. We're in February of the new year now. Yeah. So now they told me it was 30 days until I would get my deposit. I have made a couple of phone calls called Michigan State and got that down to three to five days, which was was pretty cool. But, oh, man, they were like, we don't have it. And I said, can you just check again? And sure enough, two minutes later, they came back and they're like, I found it. 
was like, is it still in the envelope? They're like, yeah. Was, Do you want to oh. open it and maybe process that so I don't, you know, get my benefits taken away from me? That would be that would be cool. <laughs> I'd like that. Hey, can you do your job, please? Thank right? you. Yeah. The thing Not is, though, much. the trick, because they deal with assholes all the time, the trick with them, especially the government stuff, is to be sweet as pie. You keep a calm, cool voice. You don't say anything stupid because they're recording everything and you don't want to out yourself, you know, on a recording. But you just keep cool and you roll with the punches mm-hmm. and they will sometimes bend over backwards to you because you're the only person being nice to them that day. So be nice to your to your people answering the phones and be nice to your food service workers. Be nice to everybody in general. But those people in particular, you will have a much better experience if you're all on the same page. Uh, that is what I have learned on my 40, 43 years on this planet. All right. Uh, to that. Yeah. As a customer service worker for 40 something years, yes, that's what you do. Yep. Tip people, thank people. And if you don't have much for tip, just tell them how much you appreciate them making the extra effort to uh, do whatever it is they're doing for you. You will get far and apparently get free food. So, uh, didn't we try to tell a certain comic book writer about this and he wouldn't listen to you? Oh, <laughs> many years ago. You mean my 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 good friend? Your good friend, yes, that good friend, yeah. Ah, my good friend who seemed to have dropped off the face of the earth shortly thereafter, only to reemerge as the same person. So, yeah, that's him. Yep, that's him. yep, 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 yep. Redacted. <laughs> Redacted. <laughs> All right. Um, why don't we just get right into it? And uh, go for some lightning rounds. Ooh. <laughs> um, John, why don't you start us off this week? Two weeks in <sighs> a row. And you I'm not want to go? No, I'm good. I'm just, I'm, I'm fine. I got it. I'm a professional. I'm a <laughs> professional at this, you know? I've been doing this for like two years now. <laughs> has, it, has it only been that long? Longer than that. As a regular, it's only been two years. I think I came in in January of 22. Because this is only my second year. No, third year. January 21. I'll believe you for now. I can go check the email because I keep it just saying, I always say, you you asked me, not other way around. Oh, I just remembered I was going to go into a whole thing with you at the start of the show. Oh, yeah, because I, I... mispronounced your it's, your, it's boglins your not booglins i have no idea what that toy was oh, i've never God. heard of it i, I <laughs> you guys were killing me last week especially with that part because i left it to you to tell people every my, my contribution and you say booglins instead of boglins and you're reading my description i'm like come on john put your fucking heart into it read it with passion oh you, you, unfortunately, we did that after we already talked about he who shall not be named, who we thought was dead. <laughs> I can't believe nobody knows what these things are. They are puppet toys from the Jim Henson creature shop. See, you're, you're Henson obsession. I, 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 I mean, no, I, I, I don't know a lot of hen. I, I know the Muppets. No, I am Henson-billed for sure. I mean, I remember a little bit about Fraggle Rock being on HBO, but I don't. I, I could not name a character. Fraggle on Rock's it. coming back. 
to Apple TV Plus. Because <laughs> nobody has any original ideas anymore. Let's just revive every franchise from the past, which is well, really man, everybody wants to go down. Really hypocritical rock. for me because I'm what I'm about to talk about because that seems yeah. to be my, my entire corner of my universe as I go through my midlife crisis of late, which my wife is pretty much convinced I am having. So, so, so Bobland Corvette. <laughs> no, nothing like that. No. Boglins are awesome. Bog, I'll, I'll be quick. Boglins are these rubberized hand puppet things that were these um, like creatures from the swamps, right? And they have very, very little lore attached to them. So that's why I thought it would be cool if Cullen Bunn and Tyler Crook came in and kind of developed something for them. But all we know about them is that they're manifestations of people's emotions, and mostly the negative emotions. But these things were awesome. They were made like super duper quality. Uh, you could put your your fingers in the eye sockets and move them inside so they would move back and forth. Their eyes would glow in the dark. I had one that was a, a fish. It was like a, um, what is that fish with the, uh, the really ugly one with the big teeth and the little Angle lamp fish? on its head? Anglerfish. Anglerfish. It was kind of like an anglerfish, not as vicious, but kind of like it, that when you opened it up, there was a little mechanism inside that you could squeeze and you could squirt people with water. It was awesome. And I also had one that was like black and white that looked like it had been made from a skull, uh, which was awesome. But um, they were super creepy, super fun. And uh, it was the first thing that I thought of. Like whenever I think of childhood toys, my Boglins, I had three of them were like the crowns of my toy collection. I wish that I had kept them. I have no idea what happened to them. It was probably like degradation from just being around. Like if you've ever seen puppets or costumes from 80s movies today and how they've eroded over time, that's kind of what happened to the Boglins as the years went on. And so I probably just tossed them. Um, definitely tore one of their arms for sure. Not off, nice. but there was a big hole there that you could stick one of your fingers through. Anyway, John. Right. Steve. <laughs> All right. Booglins. Oh, Booglins. So <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> Boo! Boo-glins. I don't. <laughs> All right. Um, where to start? Where to start? All right, I'm going to start with Gods, number two through four. So this is Jonathan Hickman and Valerio Shiti. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the the story of the powers that be and the natural order of things whose fragile truce is starting to wither in the wake of what was known as a Babylon event, which would be a world ending multiverse ending event where um, all of the magic users had to come together and defeat somebody known as Corbus Cubis, who was a rogue magician. And it actually found out that he is an avatar of the in-betweener, one of the universal constructs who is currently Apparently trying to destroy the universe. Um, uh, the the powers that be is Win, an 800-year-old magician. Uh, his, uh, his cohort is Dimitri, who is actually a member of the natural order of things. But as part of the truce, they each get a magician and a scientist on their side. They're working with Doctor Strange in the Library of Worlds to figure out why... Uh, the in-betweener is suddenly uh, wanting to destroy everything. Wynn's ex-wife is Akio, who is a member of the Natural Order of Things, which is a science-based magic society. 
Uh, she has chosen a new ma magician to observe, a woman named Mia. And they meet in this uh, this library where they're trying to figure out things that are going on. Uh, there's Ames, and a one of the AIM agents is also an agent of the in-betweener. And he has created something that will destroy reality. Uh, you have a Cassandra, which is uh, a Greek, uh, mythical Greek character who spurred Apollo's love. So he gave her the ability to see the future, but she can only see Apocalypse and nobody will listen to her. It's just this very Hickman-y book. It, it's not hard to follow. You don't need like post-it notes and, and, and wall boards of through lines. If you like the current uh, Doctor Strange and you like the magic side of the Marvel Universe, this isn't a retcon. It's just kind of adding something to it that hasn't been there before, and it's beautiful. I've ne I, I, I've followed Sheedy for a while now, and this is the best artwork they've done. Uh, it, it's just a gorgeous book. I don't know how... I thought it was a miniseries, but I think it's an ongoing as of right now. But it is... It is a... Uh, a sight to behold. So if you've been hesitating getting in on board on this, do so if you like anything Hickman's done in the past. This is very different than his Fantastic Four. It's very different than his X-Men. It's very different than his Avengers, but it still has a very Hickman feel. And and honestly, he might be the most uh I don't gender bending, not gender bending, ah, um uh genre bending writer. Uh, in comics today it just feels like he can do almost anything and does it well and then duke number two so joshua williamson writer tom riley on art and Jordi belair on uh colors so duke is on the run the government is covering up the existence of the transformers and america's greatest soldier is disillusioned with that cover-up he's reaching out to an old friend aka clutch who is driving the vamp like it is going out of style and so General Hawk has sent two American legends after him, Rock and Roll and Stalker. Uh, great fun. Just classic, you know, putting a classic team together in a modern era. Uh, I'm really enjoying this, uh, the evolution of this G.I. Joe universe. Uh, I have not put anything out that I have not liked. I like Cobra Commander. I like Duke. Transformers is going well. Void Rivals, all of it. Um, and apparently... I may be having a midlife crisis is what I'm coming down to. Um, I, 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 I turn 50 next year. I am, uh, I, I am finding myself uh, looking at GI Joe models and statues. I almost purchased today a Robotech Veritech fighter model uh, for like a hundred bucks, and I don't know why. What is Veritech? Why not? Is it's the why plane not is the that they flew it? Do you know what Robotech is? Maycross? Yeah, I'm vaguely it's the, familiar. It's the transformable fighters that they flew. Um, and I blame this one on Aaron. So, Aaron, you're lucky you didn't show up tonight because Aaron shared with me last week this um YouTube channel where they do investigations into all these past things like the misfits of science. Um, and, oh. and, and things like he posted it in the Skype. And one of them was the history of Robotech, which was one of my favorite shows as a kid. And it took me down a very, uh, nostalgic trip. And I don't know why I'm, I was trying to get rid of all my stuff. And now I'm looking at buying more stuff and I don't know why <laughs> you I know we're going to remodel our basement. I'm like, I could have a total corner where I just do like. My my model I, models of, of various starships and fighters and and GI Joe characters and all of that and then 
I am. I I. I, I, I may be attending my first con in some time this weekend because nice. the town near me, uh, a little about 30 minutes to the north of us, has their annual Comic-Con. And the guest of honor is Larry Hama. I think it's Kismet. Uh, gotta be it's, there. It's, gotta it's, be there. It's, yep. must be. I have pulled out a couple of my classic G.I. Joe books that I still have, and I'm very much considering driving up there and going to the con just to meet him and say thank you for all the years of joy that he's given me and for bringing me back into the G.I. Joe fold because I'm having the time of my life and I did not expect that from uh, a G.I. Joe Transformers shared universe if you would have asked me this a year ago and I'm done maybe (laughs) or maybe not Dude, they told you all those years ago that there's more to meet, more than meets the eye. Apparently, there's a lot going on. Oh, find, I'm going down. I'm going down like Wikipedia's. I've got on. I haven't been on Facebook in like two years. Now I'm in a Transformers group. I'm in a GI Joe group, <laughs> and I'm in a Maycross group. And I don't know why. I just like I'm going down rabbit holes of things I have not thought about in years. But I am Perfect. just having Perfect. fun. If you had to get a tattoo of one of those properties, which would you choose? Oh, I would get the Snake Eyes uh, clan symbol on my wrist. Oh, you're deep clan- in it, man. You know, yeah. you've thought about this before. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I almost did it. Um, it's the one shared by Storm Shadow, Jinx, uh, Snake Eyes, and all like this, the Hard Master, the Silent Master. All of them, baby. Are you... Team Scarlet or Team Baroness? Okay. Are we talking about me or for Snake Eyes? I'm talking about you. Baroness, baby. All right. That's that's the correct answer. I know. It's the glasses. You know, it's the glasses, right? It's the glasses. It's, it's the everything. It's, it's, the, it's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the everything. It's the total package. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, man, I have not to reveal more than you need to know about me, but I've, I, you ever see Paddington? Yeah. You remember Nicole Kidman in that movie? Uh huh. That was, mm-hmm. that was 100% for me. That yeah. is my, that is my, one of my aesthetics. Um, her and, uh, Gina Davis from A League of Their Own. Gina Davis in anything. Oh, yeah. Um, What's her? Oh God! What was her name? Who played Baroness in that GI Joe movie? She might have been the only thing that saved that movie. The um, one with the one with Channing Tatum and yeah, um, it was one of the Wayans brothers. I can't oh, think of her name. She used to date um, Jude Law. I'll have to look it up. Which which one is the? Uh, is it Rise of the Cobra or Retaliation? Rise of Cobra. All right. Let's see. While he's looking up, go to the con, definitely. I met Larry I know. years ago. He's he's just yeah. a lovely guy, and he's one of these veterans that we're that we're losing them too rapidly. I know. That's my that's my my thinking. And I just gotta figure a way to get wrangle out of soccer for a while. So I'm sure I can do it. I'm sure I can make yeah. this happen. Yeah. It is Good. Sienna Miller. That's it, Sienna Miller. Do you your see cat, this? Your cat is going nuts back Do you there. You see, she's trying to get up on the TV. Or as Aaron would say, your pussy is going wild. Oh my God. You made it. She's going to knock that over. Yes. 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 Oh take, my a God. Pause. She can't. take a pause. Take a pause and get her off of there. We got to start doing this show live. She'll be all right. 
She'll She'll be all right. right. Your TV may not be all right. I don't care about the TV. What I care about is that if she jumps up on the other shelves, you can't see it from this angle, but there are uh, ashes of Cat's past on that shelf. Maybe that's what she's trying to get to. She's trying to to get rid of the competition. Screw all all these old ones. I'm still here. Oh, it's going. Loki's going. She's thinking about it. No, she's not going. This is great radio. All right, yeah. all right, you you guys you guys talk to each other for a second. I'll be right back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, you, you, definitely, John. You, you don't want it to be one of those moments where, oh, uh, you know, I had a chance to see Larry Hama, and then you know, yeah. three weeks later, it's in the new, it's in the the internet. So he he's sick, or he passed away, or yeah. he's never doing cons again, or whatever. That's uh, where that's kind of where I'm at. I just haven't been to a con forever, but you know, it's it's local. It's not far away, and it's not it's not like it's a big commitment. I can. It'd be in and out. So I grab one of the kids. Maybe I'll get one of the girls to dress up and as a superhero and we'll go we'll go the Baroness. The the Baroness. No, 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 Bob. No, no, no. That's way <laughs> no. too they're way too young for that. Um, okay. maybe Nora will be ghost spider and just run around there and go. lecture people on what ghost spider actually is because she thinks she knows everything and nobody knows anything. So she's at that age yeah. where she's right about everything. We'll have to have her on discussing the next issue of Spider-Gwen. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Let me ask you this. All right. How many nights do you think you would have to spend on the couch if you came home from this con with the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier for the basement? No nights. No, no, no. (laughs) No? Okay, no, no. She'd look at me like, what the hell is wrong with you? Um, Do you remember how big that thing is? Oh, I... I hated kids who had that because it was so my, my aircraft carrier was a coffee table as it's supposed to be. If you had the aircraft carrier, if you had the USS flag, you were a spoiled rotten brat. And if you are out there and you're listening to me and you had it, I love you still, but you know, I'm <laughs> can right. I come over to your house? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, God, I had so many of those. Okay. I had so much GI Joe. So for somebody like me, who is a casual fan of G.I. Joe, loves the original animated movie, Mm -hmm. so good. Oh, my God. That movie still holds up. I watched it a few years ago. (laughs) Everything. Sergeant Slaughter in that movie talking about icky dicky bags and stuff like that. If we don't all go home, no one goes home. Yeah, nobody goes home. Uh, Serpentor, all of that stuff. But... So for a casual fan like me who hasn't really dabbled in G.I. Joe, save for the latest Snake Eyes movie that came out a few years ago, um, I maintain that it was okay. I didn't hate it. I thought it was very pretty. It didn't have much in the way of plot or world building, but it was... The giant snakes was unneeded. Yeah, it looked really good. And the meteor. Oh, yeah, no, but in the meteor. Could have gone in a different direction. Yes. Um... What would I be able to get into this new era? Oh yeah, absolutely. This is this is so reader friendly. This is the the Duke and Cobra. If you watch the movie and you have an inkling of GI Joe, you'd be completely fine in in this. This is, might be the most accessible entry into GI Joe Transformers in since maybe the original miniseries came out in like nineteen eighty three eighty four. It's, All right. Yeah, wow. it's I mean, if you were a younger kid, maybe not. But if you have just a semblance of who these characters are, you're fine. Yeah. 
who's um who's publishing all this stuff? It's it's Skybound, so it's Robert Kirkman through Image. So uh. he came out with the um, yeah, he because it was IDW for years, and then they lost it, and then Kirkman announced that they had it, and then I was honestly I I wasn't sure I was going to read it until I saw Daniel Warren Johnson on Transformers. I'm like, yeah, that's right, I'm going. And then my my uh, my comic shop pulled a, a copy of Void Rivals one for me, and they're like, "You got to read this." I'm like, I'm "Not really into." I mean, I'm not a big Kirkman guy. I mean, I I appreciate him, I respect him, but um, I'm never. I mean, I I dropped off of Walking Dead like when they went to the prison um, and and things like that. So, but when I read that first issue and and Jetfire showed up, I was like, "Oh, okay." Maybe, maybe I, maybe I, this is something I need in my life and I just didn't know it. You know, I can't remember if I finished, uh, the walking dead. I think they got involved in some kind I know of I like massive event toward the end. And I think I dipped out when I saw there yeah. were like 12 covers per issue. It was, uh, it was getting out of hand. I'm going to, I'll be honest. One of the most best financial decisions I ever made when that AMC show hit, I put all first 50 issues up on eBay and they were all first prints. Nice. That was oh, yeah. a, a, a nice ka-ching. Yeah. What'd you fetch um, for that? If you don't mind it was my just asking. Such dem- Do you a remember? Under a grand. It was a little bit under a grand. Ooh. It was, it was a good chunk of change. It was because it was the first, like the first 10 were all originals. Yeah. And only had been, you know, they were still in the bags and like pristine. Um, Cause you know, that, that was like, nobody, nobody knew that book was going to hit like that. And it, it did. And it was good. It just felt like it was meandering. It just wasn't, they were literally, it was like, it was like the fellowship of the ring. They were just walking. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't time. the universe <laughs> yeah. that it is yeah. now. No, and then, they're still I, making shows for yeah, that. And There's then, like two spin-offs on the way. It's ridiculous. And then I was I was got previews last week. The new issue the new previews came out. He's just re-releasing them in color. So it's like <laughs> he's like he's up to like number 86 of Walking Dead color. It's like this is genius. Like people who bought it all in black and white and they're like, "Oh, now I got to have it in color." And they do so, yeah. It's it the was... the Kirkman cut. It is, yeah, Kirkman cut. There you go. She got into bed with Netflix. Yeah, go for three D next. Yeah, three D Walking Dead. Three D. Yeah, the, the zombies are coming Just out of blo- the... nails and giblets coming at you in three D. Yep, man. Um, jeez. Okay, you got me. You got me last week. With Avengers Twilight, which I will talk about during my lightning round. You are welcome, good sir. Yes. Um, but now it sounds like I might have to check out Void Rivals, Transformers, and G.I. Joe. Just do G.I. Joe. Just do Duke, Cobra Commander, and Transformers. Void Rivals, you, you can live without. Um, okay. It's just kind of, it's like the it's like Kirkman's little story within the universe. But uh, start with Duke and Cobra Commander, and then you love Daniel Warren Johnson, so oh yeah, yeah. So give get the so you know, yeah. okay. Let let me ask you this: with him being on the does he is he doing art and story? Yes, so far. I mean, God. I think he's gonna he's gonna do. Um, obviously, he's gonna have to take 
art breaks, but he's writing it, and I forget who. But like the first four issues are out, and he's done all of it, and it's okay. very, it's very him. It's like it's robots, but it's also very human and tragic. Okay. I'm glad to hear that because my fear when I heard that he was doing this stuff, as much as I think he deserves it, and I love the idea of him kind of heralding in this resurgence of all these characters. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to take him away from us getting another something on the level of do a power bomb or otherwise like other things that he's done. So is that Nora? It's Nora. Hi. Hi. Nora. Hi. Do you want to tell everybody about ghost spider? Matt. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Nope. <laughs> Next time. Next time. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so now my fear just, is like we're not going to get those stories now that he's super busy doing all yeah. this stuff. But if you're telling me that elements of that is in these books, then that's mm -hmm. that's very intriguing. Yeah, I mean, I I, I want I want the, another do a power bomb and murder Falcon too. I don't want this to become his main thing, but. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I gotta go deal. She's with fine. This. She's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. Bob and I'll chat. John's gotta go be a dad. Here we go. We've so we've had dad uh dad stuff and kitten dad stuff so far today. Yeah, good. Yeah, dad. Good. Uh all right, let's you know what, Bob? Let's uh jump on to your lightning round. Okay. <laughs> So the world's finest annual was a, an oleo of really fun stories, none featuring the Batman Superman team. Just saying. Hmm. What, we do what we do have, Bumblebee Metamorpho, The Challenge of the Unknown, and as the cover states, much more, which is a story by Mark Wade, Cullen Bond, and Edwin Gaman, featuring not only Batmite and Mr. Mixit Pitlick, but an entire Just Us League of other mighty characters. <laughs> All the Justice League, apparently, in this other universe have their own little might character. And this is going to continue in World's Finest 25, and that makes me smile a whole heck of a lot. Avengers Inc. number 5 by Al Ewing, Leonard Kirk, Alex Sinclair, and Corey Pettit concludes this mini in fine style. Especially that word, considering Janet Van Dyne's closing remark, maybe next time I'll even wear a costume. No spoilers here, but suffice it to say that we have big bads that have Luke Cage exclaiming, Avengers assemble, baby. And a second mm -hmm. team of Ant-Avengers, too. Really cool mystery. That'll be a great trade read. And I'm hoping that the Ewan Kirk team will reassemble Avengers, Inc. somewhere down the road. Marvel Voices Legends number one is another in the series of focused anthologies. This one spotlighting characters and creators who are people of color. Patriot, Deathlock, Black Panther, Misty Knight, Colin Wing, plus an interview with legendary creator Dennis Cowan, and a spotlight on Golden Age artist Matt Baker. Now here's the thing, that's $6. Uh, you know, you could look at a lot of ways, but I thought it was an absolute bargain. As the comic stories are all very good, you know, one-shot kind of thing, but it's the history lessons who, who really justify the cover price by themselves. Mr. Cowan's origin story of entering the comics industry at age 14 as an assistant to Rich Buckler is pretty incredible. Wow. Yeah, uh, but it, but it's his tales of trying to struggle to tell important and, and representative stories 
that, that just really resonates. As to Matt Baker, who was virtually the only African-American artist working during the Golden Age, his Marvel work actually begins in the late 50s at their predecessor, a company called Atlas Comics. He was doing westerns, romances, mysteries, before leading into the science fiction and horror books that Stan Lee would, would uh, lay the foundation for the Marvel to come. Here's the thing. It's an interesting what if that I, I, I thought about a lot over the years. In those books, such as Tales to Astonish, Tales of Suspense, Journey to Mystery, so on and so on, uh, Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko would begin their Marvel Age careers. But what would the years to come at Marvel have looked like if Matt Baker hadn't passed away from a heart attack at age 38 in 1959, as well as Atlas Mainstay and the creator of The Black Knight and Jimmy Woo, Joe Manili, who died in a train accident in 58 at 32. These are some of the greatest comic artists of that period, and they were, they were there with Stan just as everything was starting, but never got to take that next step. So that's, that's a nice what if I, I, I throw out there all the time. Uh, if you want to learn more about Matt Baker, Tomorrow's Press published a fabulous book titled Matt Baker, The Art of Glamour a few years back. covers his life and career in great detail. Author editors Jim Amash and Eric Bolin-Wethington uh, collect uh, insightful interviews, a really detailed bibliography, uh, lots of artwork, a couple of complete comics, including, uh, I mean, Matt Baker has become very famous for uh, doing Phantom Lady back in the 40s. He didn't do as many issues as you thought, and there's a very famous cover that Dr. Wortham didn't like very much. It turns out it wasn't actually <laughs> Matt Baker. It was Al Felstein, the guy who would go on to be at Mad Magazine with Bill Gaines. Uh, I, I posted some of the, of, the, of the cover of this book and so on. Matt Baker is definitely an influence on people like Dave Stevens and Adam Hughes. As he was sort of the good girl artist of the 40s. He drew incredibly beautiful women, but also great action sequences, monsters, all sorts of things. Also contributed to the first American graphic novel. It's called It Rhymes with Lust from 1949 with Arnold Drake, who would <laughs> co-create the Doom Patrol and worked on the X-Men as well. And uh, Matt Baker, sadly, even this book, I think, is out of print. It's going for big money at, at this point. But uh, if you if you read Marvel Voices Legends number one and wonder about Matt Baker, see if your library can get you this book because the art of glamour is worth checking into. That's it for me. At the risk of sounding really stupid, mm -hmm. what rhymes with lust? Bust. Well, the, the character in this book, it's a film noir sort of piece from 1949. We have this, this woman who sort of runs a company town, and she's her name is Rust because she has red hair. Ah, uh, see, John, you dirty you boy. Well, I was going to say bust and just and rust. A lot of things. Yeah. Yes. I saved. You saved me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love this art, Bob. I'm on uh, I'm on the Googleizer looking at a bunch of covers. Mm -hmm. I love this uh, Lady Phantom art. This is very cool. Yeah, they've, they've, those have been collected the entire run of Phantom Lady from the four different companies that published her. Uh, P.S. Art Books of London did collections. Uh, again, in here, the, the bibliography, again, there, there was so few companies had credits. You'd have to sort of know mm -hmm. what Matt Baker's art looked like to figure it out. But there, there are pages after pages of 
documentary evidence of where he did these books and whether he just assisted, did the inks, did the layouts. Um, but again, he, uh, I came to him late, obviously. It's one of those things where you, you see these this art and say, oh, that, that's much different than some of the other crude stuff that was in the 40s. Yeah. Yeah. I and love it's not like that. I love that it is like it's it's sexy, it's a little seductive, but it's also very, very tasteful. Like I'm I'm That's looking at a right. bunch of different things. The Cinderella Love, the Texan, the Phantom Lady, like all of these, mm -hmm. there is not a, you know an objectable thing, at least that I can find on any of these right. covers. Well, again, that's the that's the thing of it. You could, as in that period, you're looking at the the pinup art of the Petty Girls, and things of that nature. Uh, and there's a difference between, as you're talking about, seductive and sexy and sexualized. Right. Yeah. And so that people who no one drew like Matt Baker, but in that period, folks like Wally Wood could draw beautiful women in with agency that, that they had smiles or they were part of their own story or their, their own uh, in control of what was going on. Even if bad things were happening in, in some of these superhero books. And that's why Adam Hughes and Dave Stevens and those people all cite Matt Baker or their art sites without even realizing it's again, it's the way he drew clothes and hair and poses and cars and everything else that was going on. And that separates him from, again, he was a good girl artist, is what they call that, as opposed to the 90s and the bad girls and the broke back and all the rest of it that would happen. I could see mm -hmm. a little bit of, like, Terry Moore. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Like him, him taking some cues from the stuff. It's funny, the the it rhymes with lust art, or really any of these. Reminds me of some of the stuff that you would see on, uh, not audio listeners might not know, but um, Jay and Jackie's bathroom wall, all the, the art, like the old yes. um, video uh, pinup stuff that they have. Well, th those uh, paperback covers, that's all that time period. And some of those might have actually been Matt Baker. Yeah. I was going to say, this all looks very familiar. That's the sad thing is they didn't get the credit back then because it was all house, you know, you... You worked for an art house, and they just put it out there. And he worked for the Iger yeah. Studios to, with Will mm -hmm. Eisner, and they did the Phantom, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the Spirit. Spirit, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's so much art out there that we just don't know. You know, it's been lost yeah. because it wasn't credited and it wasn't kept because comic books weren't for you know they were kids stuff. Ephemera, they were just yeah. gonna all disappear. And again, so to have a you know 15 page, actually, no, I take it back. 30-page bibliography of mm -hmm. comic strips, magazine illustrations, newspaper strips. Uh, it's pretty pretty incredible to, to have it all laid out here. Now, of course, finding any of these books would be ridiculous. <laughs> They're mm -hmm. all gone. Ace paperbacks from the 50s are probably worth hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Oof. But I said, uh, as, as Steve has, you can actually Google Matt Baker now and find all these wonderful things. Yeah. Yeah, um, search Matt Baker artist. At least that's how I found some stuff. There's another Matt Baker um, that a lot of stuff that came up in the Google search didn't match for uh, for the uh, the Matt Baker we're talking about here. Very cool. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. John, you uh, want to jump in on uh, World's Finest? Oh, yeah, this book was fun. Um, the Just Us, the 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 little <laughs> the, the imps, all the imps and the bat mites and all that. And, um, you know, they're, they're arguing over their origins and they're like, do you even know your history anymore? And uh, <laughs> just this silliness. And then uh, the hint at something big and bad coming in a few issues from World's Finest. I I, I mean, they popped up here and there and... and I, you can either be really silly or you can tell a really good story. And I trust Wade will tell a really good story with them. I really liked the, um, the challenger story at the end. I would like to see more of that. That Huge was fan of the challenges from I, all uh, the way back when it was Kirby. So I'd love yeah. to see some more challenges, but just the whole, like the, you know, you kind of, they've been so much like, uh, Oh, they're just adventurers and stuff. But there's, there was a darker history to how they became the challengers of the unknown. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, just kind of seeing, that classic squad in their jumpsuits and uh it's a very it's a very 60s concept but i think it would be very cool uh if done right today so yeah. and then Campbell the Bumble- does a great job on it so yeah i can yeah. i can see him doing it absolutely yeah and then the the bumblebee stuff just that just picks up from the world's finest teen titans miniseries that was really good oh. too so she was in that with um so that was uh wade and i uh Lupacino did art on that with Chris Samney covers. So if you get a chance to read those five issues, that was a lot of fun too. Okay. Yeah. So and always love me some always love me some metamorpho. Oh yeah, that was good. Montana uh oh, God, <laughs> his dad. Yeah. So his is I always forget how messed up Rex's relationship is with Sapphire and her dad and, and Java, Java and all that. Yeah. It's just a it's such a weird dynamic. I mean, yeah, the, that father-daughter relationship is odd. And then the, you throw in a Neanderthal and a Metamorpho. And it's just like, this is just weird. Weird stuff. Mm-hmm. They need some therapy. And, and <laughs> it, 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 it started out as, as such a lighter book in its time. It was Bob Haney and, and mm-hmm. Mona Freighton. And it was very cartoony. I said, wait, the understory of this, the, the subtext is not good. Yeah. <laughs> not. Yeah. I remember the Jim Opero issues. And then when um when Metamorpho ended up on um The Outsiders with with Batman and yeah. No, it's just it's just a weird, it's just a weird backstory. And yeah. yeah. So good stuff. World's finest. You can never go wrong with it. And I love it. I love an annual that's actually, it's not connected to some weird introduction event of new characters or power rings or power stones out there and champions and battling. It's it's just an annual. It's just a good story. Uh, Or or in this case, this is really an, this could have been called world's finest anthology. Mm -hmm. So yeah, good stuff. Always good stuff. Yowza. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Steve, I think we're up to you. Yeah, I um I've been making a little list for myself of stuff that I want to catch up with that I am woefully behind and despite the fact that it is still buggy as hell, I am continuing on with the DC Infinite app nice. and just you know, Alfred and I have gotten real close, real chummy over the last couple of weeks. And every time that he pops up, I just hit that refresh button until eventually something happens. But uh, World's Finest is 
something that I'm really sad that I am not caught up with you guys on because listening to you talk about it every single time, I'm like, I need to set time aside and read this damn book. Between World's Finest and Poison Ivy is the other thing on my list um, of things that I wanna that I wanna read. I should probably catch up with Batman at some point too. But yeah, I'm you more, should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman will I always know. be no. there though. My I don't have the problem with DC Infinite. You do. I'm like the the glitchy, but God, my my two read list is it's just the I love the one month, but it feels like they just keep dropping and dropping and dropping, and I just can't I can't get caught up. I just got to sit down and choose a book, and I'm just gonna read it until I'm caught up on it. Do you remember when we tried to guess how many emails I have in my inbox? Oh God, that I I still have, I, I still have the shakes from that. Still trauma. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How many unread uh, DC comics do you think I have in my my current folder? All right, we're gonna. You're. I'll. I'll guess yours, and then you'll guess mine, and you'll see that I'm bothered, and you're probably would be fine. I'm gonna say 740. For me? Yeah. Oh come on, give me more credit than that. Oh my god, is it bigger than that? It's way lower than that. Oh, okay. Way um, lower. 201. Bob, what what's your guess? This is unread emails? This is un- no, unread this is, no, books. This, this is unread oh, DC unread comics books. in my DC okay. Infinite app. Um, what's the time frame? That'll help. Year? Year and a about half? A, about a year. Yeah, about a year and a month. Hmm. 225. All right, Bob's closer. Find out the answer. Tune in next week. No, I'm just Wait, did Bob go over or under? No, no, he's still under. It's two seventy. Okay. Yeah. Not. I don't feel as bad. Not astronomical. That's that's five a week. That's you know that's kind of what yeah, I was thinking. They're Four piling up though. Let me tell you. And yeah. to be fair, there's a lot of things in here that I've read but have yet to delete. So, could oh, probably... you're one of those people. Oh yeah. I like. I like. As soon as I'm done reading a book, I delete it. No, no. Otherwise, it taunts me. I I'm like at, to yeah. I like to roll around in it a little bit. Mm, okay, all right. I'm at 48, so I don't feel as bad. Oh, that's not too bad. No, so a good weekend I can get that hammered out. But I don't want to just hammer it out. I want to like enjoy. Sometimes I feel like I want to get caught up, but I don't want to just like read so fast just to get caught up. Like, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of what I did this week. Uh, leading into my lightning round. <laughs> uh, like I said, I'm making a list and and checking it twice. And checking it twice. <laughs> gonna find out who's naughty or nice. Um, Steve is coming. <laughs> Harley Quinn is coming to town. So Harley Quinn has been on my list of things to read ever since Teeny Howard and Sweeney Boo took over the series. Um, I thought that I read an issue or two of this and that had and had fallen off of it because I got distracted. But no, uh, this was my first time dipping into this. And so I want to get these numbers right so people know what it is that I'm talking about here. I read Harley Quinn numbers 28 through 31 and then Night Terrors Harley Quinn numbers one and two and then Harley Quinn number 30, 32 through 35. So all told, 
that's you know it's a handful of comics i gotta tell you i don't know how i feel about it yet and i'm hoping that we could all kind of get it out here on the show and you can help me come to a consensus first of all i love sweeney boo I have Sweeney Boo prints signed, hanging up in the office, the whole bit. I've always really enjoyed Sweeney's work. Uh, It's spectacular here. Um, Sweeney does the majority of the series. There are guest artists. There are, of course, for the um, the Night Terror stuff. And then there's maybe an issue or two where somebody jumps in. Um, There are backup stories in all the Harley Quinn. And right. And all of those, too, which which have been one. great. Like the, the majority of those have been really enjoyable. Um, and to say it off the top, like I, I enjoyed my time with this. The thing that I'm struggling with a little bit is kind of the state of Harley Quinn as she is now. Like that character has been changing a lot during the last decade or so, ever since they decided to kind of break her off from the Joker and do her whole thing and wanting to become a hero. And a lot of that stuff is fantastic. And I think is, is extreme, you know, forward thinking for that character and has brought her into new territory that I'm really enjoying. But what I found with this is I was trying to like write a recap for this in my head for the podcast. And of course I never got around to it. So this is all off the dome, but one of my things that I found in this series is that it's strange, but there's a part of me that feels like it's not strange enough. And when I was trying to like come up with a synopsis for what I'd read, and I'm thinking of all of the, like the, the bullet points you know, between the whole multiversal aspect of the new arc, the howling out with a and teaming up with a robot detective, um, teaching a college course and revealing that Bud and Lou are now these like talking sentient. Uh, yes, they're like overseers. Yes, yes. So there's plenty of oddness to it. But when I think of like, the roller derby days, the scatapult stuff, uh, even some of the <laughs> stuff in the in the latest uh, the the run before this with the Raleigh Rossimo art. Um, there's just a certain level of unhinged that this doesn't have. It's a little bit tamer by comparison, and that feels a little. I don't know if the word is antithetical to the to the character. But I think it's also I think it's also me and not really paying attention to or recognizing just how much Harley Quinn has changed in the past several years. Um, I love that her and and, and uh, Pamela are still together, but I'm wondering what the split is between the Poison Ivy series, G. Will Wilson's Poison Ivy series versus what Teeny Howard is doing with Poison Ivy, because their relationship is lovely but they don't spend a lot of time together and i think that that's by design because of how the characters need to be split into their own stories because poison ivy is doing all the stuff over in g willow's 
thing, but the G Willow series in so far as that I've read of it, and it's at least an arc and a half that I've seen. It's very dark and very uh, like horror centric. I mean, Bob, you can tell me whether that continues or not. Yes, but- it does. And we're, we're starting uh next issue, which comes out this week. We're doing these origin going back to having G Willow Wilson tell poison Ivy's origin. Okay, I need to I need to get caught up with that. I might move that to the top of my list. Right. So that has been, it has definitely been a darker book, and I think the separation in the two books is probably a plan by the two writers, right, to allow things to happen as they are. Harley, uh, I'm just going to jump in now. Yeah, 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 go for it. This. Harley changed with Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, mm-hmm. and we had them on as that book was launching, and that changed. Uh, Harley into something that was different than Paul Dini's Mad Love Harley into something a little different. I think it, at the years since, I don't think I've been as kind to this character as it could have been, particularly with that first Suicide Squad movie that yeah. colored people's opinions of what Harley Quinn is. I think if if you read Amanda and Jimmy's and this one, or the uh, T. Franklin spinoffs from the animated or the Harley wrecks the DC universe. These are closer to Jimmy and Amanda's Harley than Rossimo's. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think it's the idea of jumping back in for you as opposed to having spent all this time with her that it, 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 it just seems more jarring, I suppose. Well, I mean, I read the vast majority of the Jimmy and Amanda stuff for sure years ago. Uh, I definitely read most of, I didn't finish. I read most of the Rossimo stuff as well, which while certainly not my, my favorite era of, of Harley by, by any stretch, um, it still retains some of that like unpredictability of the character. I just think that this latest run feels a bit, like she feels tamed to me to some degree, even though all this like kooky multiversal fish coming out of nowhere and palling out with Mm -hmm. Captain Carrot, like all of that is great. And I really love it against the backdrop of Sweeney's kind of like bubblegum sailor moon uh, art aesthetic that she's got for this. I love the color work in this specifically. It is such a, vibrant and sleek looking presentation for the character and for the world that she's in. And I love all of that stuff and I'm enjoying the story too. I just, there's something like just scratching around in the back of my brain that I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm waiting for something and I don't know exactly what it is. I I wish I knew that too, because I think uh, is there some level of you're talking about maybe unhinged over the top she finally takes the mallet and just wipes out all these people who are troubling her that nah. could work but I, I don't know that it works in the context of this story they're trying to tell with her I think th- there's a part of me that was a little disappointed that it was a multiverse story and we were we were dealing with you know multiple Harleys in multiple places I am definitely like I don't have superhero fatigue as a lot of people would uh would say but I do have a little bit of multiverse fatigue 
uh, between the last, especially with some of the DC stuff in the last few years. And I, I don't know. I think maybe I like it better when Harley is kind of a, a character of the people and she's got the group of friends to hang out with and the neighborhood to harass. And I don't know. I love that Coney Island I would, era. I know, I, but I would postulate that I don't think the current DC landscape allows for that. Yeah, that's disappointing, though. I mean, is there a place for that kind of story in their regular books? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. There's but nothing, I, nothing like that around right now. Yeah, I don't know. There's something there's something about this. I think maybe some of the like the relationship stuff between Harley and Ivy kind of tempers all of the other stuff that's happening between the school shenanigans and I forget her name, something Quark. Mm-hmm. It's not Captain yeah. Quark or Empress Quark, it's something. Oh, um, she well, she yeah. got she got white hair and like yeah, a yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just Quark, Lady Quark. Okay. She's from Crisis. Um, she can't make up her mind. She's like, you know, Harley Quinn's a menace. Maybe not. Maybe we could use her. Uh, we don't know if she's behind the scenes of of what's going on with Harley and who's responsible for all of the uh, mayhem, multiversal mayhem that's happening. Um, I thought the the thing with the the hyenas was a little weird. I and I don't Bud know. And I, I love Bud and Lou. I just. I, I don't I, I can't wrap my head around them in robes looking like celestial beings or that's, that's like, pretty unhinged though, don't you think? I mean, that's the thing. Like, yes and no. It is, but it isn't. By comparison to some of the other stuff that we've gotten, I don't know. I'm just talking but to circles I would, at this I would, point. I, right. I would love if my favorite Harley of all time is Amanda and Jimmy's. And I'd love to have that again. But that's not that's not going to happen again. I really uh, enjoyed the. I love the Harley Quinn from the new animated series, and I love. Yes, did you did you read the comics that? Yes, seasons. I yeah. absolutely, absolutely loved those. Like if if the original Harley Quinn, I wish I could get the original Harley Quinn from Batman the animated series minus the Joker. That's that's what I would love to read. But the the um, the T Franklin stuff is, I think, probably as close to that as I've gotten in comic book form. I don't know. I I I think I just need to roll with it. I am enjoying it. I don't want people to to walk away from this conversation thinking that I'm not enjoying it. I read all of it. Obviously, it kept me in there for you know many reasons. But um, yeah, I don't know. I never I've never spent that much time reading something of a character that I love and not really knowing how I feel about it by the time that I was done and, ca- and caught up. I think I'm maybe one issue behind at this point. Yeah. Um, you should also try the black, white and redder. Yes. Yes. I do. Series, I do want to, so I, I want to read both of those it. for sure. Um, yeah, I, those are, those are part of the two seventy that are in that folder. Okay. So eventually I will, I will get to them uh, for sure. Uh, so that was my time with Harley Quinn. The other thing that I read that I want to just touch on really quick, John brought this to the podcast last week and I was kind of on the fence with it and only on the fence because I forgot who was writing it. And that as soon as John reminded me that it was Chip Zdarsky 
writing the Avengers uh, Twilight book, I immediately picked up my iPad and went and bought uh, issues one and two. And boy, howdy. (laughs) I love this so far. The Daniel Acuna art is jaw-dropping. It's got it's like Avengers meets Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. It looks really, really slick, like almost Blade Runner in that new dread movie with um what was that, Carl Urban? Carl Urban. Oh yeah. Um, great movie. Yeah, like a little bit of that too. Man, they need to make a sequel to that movie. That movie was so good. Um so Avengers, Twilight, uh, John gave you the lowdown. This is Captain America living in the future and the Red Skull is being propped up as somebody who might have gotten a bad rap back in his day. And people have had it had it all wrong about the Red Skull. And he was actually, you know, trying to defeat Hitler so that he could save everybody from his from his wrath and reign. And uh, we all know that that's untrue. That's not the case at all. And old man Rogers, he knows this and he wants to kind of get the word out. But unfortunately, he is living in a future where like misinformation is king and the system, the ways in which people get their news. Stop me if this feels familiar in any way, (laughs) shape or form. Uh, The way that people are getting their news is it's all tailored it's all it's all tailored towards the government towards the people in charge towards the corporations everything that people are seeing and hearing is to keep them informed to a point um and again stop me if this sounds familiar so the next time that somebody comments or you see something in the wild of like Ugh, stop making my comic books political. They've always been political, friend. Mm. And here we are, Chip Zdarsky, doing a very political story that is very much in the climate of today. Maybe this takes place 35, 40 years from now or whatever the case may be. But man alive, can you really just draw the line between what is happening in today's society versus what is happening in this like woefully apocalyptic book. Um, but damn it, it's really, really good. It's really good. Like Captain America, Steve Rogers is trying to get the message out to the people and he starts to give his rousing speeches and they just don't work anymore. People aren't listening. If anything, it's worse for his rep for his reputation mm-hmm. than if he had just done things behind the scenes. And he's slowly learning that, and so is his crew. And so when we enter issue number two, you've got old cap and you've got Luke Cage, who, as John told you last week, has with his age, he's gotten heavier, his skin has gotten rockier. It's almost like uh Ben Grimm's skin to a point where it's making him it's making it very difficult for him to move. So he's kind of this overseer of this underground network of people who don't have the blinders on 
and they're trying to figure out how best to mount a you know attack or or a an anti message for for all of these these people and in issue number 2 this is a midway issue spoiler so if you don't want to know anything at all feel free to tune out i'll give you a little bit of a warning 3 2 one okay one of my favorite characters in all of marvel history shows up in this book we join a mother who is basically seeing her kids off to school they're kind of cracking wise and mouthing off to her she's trying to say goodbye and i love you and they're like yeah mom whatever she closes the door and she's just so relieved that the kids are gone and she might get a minute or two of silence to herself and I'm reading this and I'm like, who is this? I have no idea who this is. Is this just some random mom in a, an apartment building? All right, like let's hang out with her for a little bit. And then you hear from off down the hallway in the shadows, because of course he's lurking. You hear Steve Rogers and he kind of emerges from the darkness of this hallway and he says the name of who this character is. And it's Kamala Khan. It's Kamala Khan as a mom of like two. And he's like, Kamala, it's me, it's Luke, and it's a bunch of kids. It's Steve. What's that? You said Luke, it's Steve. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, well, Steve, so yeah. it's Steve and Luke. That are no, I think it's just the... Steve, wasn't it? Well, in the room. Oh, yeah. yeah okay, it's oh, yeah. meeting. Yeah, it's yeah. like, All as right. far as the organization, it's the two of them. Defenders. And then these the kids. Defenders. The Defenders, yeah. Yes. Um, And he's like, I need you. We need you. The world needs you. And Kamala says, I know. Like we we've done our time. It doesn't work. It's not, it's not possible. And like as a matter of fact, get out of my house. Mm -hmm. I don't want anything to do with what you're doing. And Steve's like, all right. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention the fact that I've heard tale of, you know, giant hands like the hands of God coming out to save people on the streets every now and again. But um, you know, if you're really done with this life, who am I to stand in your way of having your of having your peace and enjoying your coffee? I'll uh I'll you know take my leave. I'll 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 exit the building. And then she, once he's gone, kind of gives a huff. And then opens up the secret compartment in her kitchen or whatever and goes down to the basement. And she has this whole network with all this tech and all these listening devices and everything. She's got everybody wired up. And she's basically has like this citywide CB device that she's been using to listen in on their plans and their stuff. And it was just such a cool move uh, by Zadarsky. And Akuna's artwork is just incredible in this book. And I won't spoil the rest of it. There are big reveals toward the end of this issue, but I love that little part in the middle. And I was hoping that this would be good when I first saw the solicits for it. And then I kind of said, you know, I'll table it. Maybe I'll wait to hear some reactions. Once John came back with such positive words about it, I had to check it out. And I'll be damned if, like, it's not... Phenomenal. I love it. It's good stuff. Um, John, do you want to say anything before I talk about a movie or two? No, I agree completely. It's 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 dark. It it's not like 
apocalyptic. It's not like old man Logan where they're in a wasteland. It's like our self-made apocalypse of, of echo chambers and, and false news and placing our faith in, in, you know, demagogues and, and things like that. And the, the reveal at the end, I'm not going to give it away either, but to see who the big bads are, it, it makes a lot of sense. So, you know, good yeah. stuff, really good stuff. I need to go back and reread those last few pages because what you told me before we started recording, I was like, yeah. what? It just went right over my head. Yeah, it, it the panel the panel layout's a little funky until you realize that every other panel is like in the past and then the present. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's that those issues, they move. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, they're a very, very quick read, um, but also quite substantial. So it's there's a, a dense, lot. It's dense. It's dark. It, it, Acuna's, I mean, it's painted and it looks so slick and gorgeous, yeah. and, but it, it's just a good story. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's super good. Do you know how many issues there are for it? I think it's six. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to be collecting this month mm-hmm. to month. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next, to the next issue. Yeah. Um, and super quick, I just wanted to put, uh, two movies onto everybody's radar. So, um, I'll start, I'll start with the one that I, I thought was very good. Uh, and that is Orion and the dark Orion and the dark is, uh, a movie from Charlie Kaufman. He was the writer of Adaptation, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, this really messed up animated film from a couple of years ago called Anomalissa. If you've seen it, you know. If you have not seen it, don't watch it with kids. Um, Okay, Orion in the Dark is a very sweet movie. It's about a 11-year-old boy voiced by Jacob Tremblay that is has generalized um like obsessive paranoia about everything everything is he's always waiting for the other shoe to drop school is a nightmare society is a nightmare he's just terrified of everything but one thing that terrifies him more than anything else and that amplifies all of the fears he has during the day is the dark nighttime so when nighttime creeps in you got to leave the hallway uh, light on you got to leave the door open he has a stash of uh, nightlights that he goes around and posts around his room. So his room is lit up like a a Christmas tree and dark being an actual entity of the night, kind of this big hulking, uh, almost like death looking figure in a black cloak and wispy black shadows that follow him and everything. And these like blue eyes, Uh, he decides that he's had enough of Orion's whining and wants to kind of show him the world of the night and introduce him to the different aspects of the night. And so they become friends and night brings this kid on a journey into the night and kind of shows him ways to appreciate darkness. And he ends up meeting characters like sleep, unexplained noises, insomnia, sweet dreams, and quiet. And they all go off on an adventure. And because of Orion's paranoia, he kind of introduces doubt into the whole reason as to why Dark even exists, ends up changing the fabric of reality. It's a whole thing. Suffice to to say, there's a huge storytelling mechanic twist in the third act that this movie went from being just okay to being 
really, really good, very nuanced and very layered and extremely meta by the end. Um, it is definitely kid friendly. It is skewed toward younger kids, but there's plenty of it to enjoy um, from an adult's perspective, too. If anything, it's got a really good uh, lesson for adults to learn about being empathetic towards kids fears and not just forcing them to get over them that it's a process um that fear never really leaves you even as adults and things that you might deem as childish you need to kind of check yourself and and listen a little bit harder um it's on netflix it's available now it just came out it's really really good i recommend it the other movie that I watched and reviewed for JoeBlow.com. Uh, gave this movie a 10 out of 10. If that tells you anything, is called Robot Dreams. Robot Dreams is a film about a lonely canine. This is this takes place in like a Zootopia style anthropomorphic animal world. Uh, it takes place in the East Village of uh, New York City. And you travel the city in so many ways. You go to uh, Parkland Beach. You go to Central Park. You go to the Strand. Um, all of these really iconic places that Bob has brought us to. Mm -hmm. Things that we've passed on our ways to cons. Um, I know I use the term, oh, it's a love letter to New York City. Quite often when I'm talking about New York, this is an animated love letter to new york city Ooh. you spend so much time in in and out of the buildings mingling it up with the people the variety of animals and personalities to reflect the melting pot that is new york city this is a robust busy metropolis of different types of people from different cultures all getting along and mixing it up with, with one another. Another special thing about this movie, it's an hour and 45 minutes long. There is no dialogue. It is a dialogueless movie. It is portrayed entirely in extreme expressions and emotion. It is very moving. Um, I'm going to set this up a little bit for you. I'm going to try not to go too far. Dog is very lonely. Dog doesn't have anybody for companionship, doesn't have any friends, is basically playing solo games of Pong and whiling away in his apartment. Sees a late night infomercial to build your own robot. So he orders the robot online. It gets delivered. No, sorry, not online. This takes place in the 80s. He calls a phone number and orders the robot to the house, to his apartment, builds the robot. They very, very quickly become the best of friends, and the friendship kind of goes a little bit farther without getting into strange territory of they sort of become involved in a relationship. They're holding hands as they walk through the park. They are inseparable. Dog decides to bring Robot to the beach one day, because why not, but didn't really read the instructions and doesn't know what Robot is capable of when it comes to going in the water. Uh, robot jumps into the water. It's a terrifying moment in the movie. Robot comes back up out of the water. Robot is fine. They're playing in the water. They're splashing around. Everything's all good. Robot comes out of the water. They decide to go and take a nap. 
they end up napping until the late night hour of the beach. And once they wake up, canine, sorry, canine dog is cleaning up their towel and everything like that. But robot can't move. Robot has rusted in the time that he's been in the water to when they wake up from this nap and robot can't move. Dog is by himself, can't carry robot, doesn't have any oil to kind of lube him up and get him moving has no choice but to leave Robot overnight to come back in the morning and help him. Comes back in the morning, the beach is closed until June 1st, and authorities are keeping an eye on the place. Dog cannot get back down to the beach and has no choice but to leave Robot there until the the beach opens again in the summer. And so the remainder of the movie is Robot living its life on the beach as things happen to it, and then Dog going back to his apartment and wishing that he could be with Robot. And the movie is called Robot Dreams because you spend most of the movie with them dreaming about reuniting with one another. Wow. And this is the last thing that I'll say about this, well, second to last thing I'll say about this movie, is that one of the clever things that it does is that it never tells you when you're dreaming. So you'll think that the movie is going in one direction narratively, and then all of a sudden something strange will happen, and you'll be ripped out of that reality, and you'll realize that one of them was dreaming the whole time. And you kind of have to reset where you are in the story and what's happened to either one of them. It happens multiple times. It surprised me every time that it did. It's fantastic. Uh, and the last thing that I'll say, the soundtrack. The soundtrack to this movie is so, so good. Uh, like I said, it all takes place in the 80s. So New York City 80s. And I'm trying to think like Earth, Wind and Fire is a big part of this uh, movie. There's a whole bunch more. I'm trying to see. I wrote it down. I don't know. It's in my review on, on Jobo.com. Go and check it out. Um, this movie's getting all kinds of awards. It's won a bunch of them. It's nominated for a bunch. It's nominated for an Oscar. Uh, when those come around, I don't know that it has a shot because, unfortunately, movies like this never seem to win these things. But I'll be damned if this is not a gem of an animated movie. Uh, it's for all ages. It hits real real hard um i can't recommend it enough it's it's probably one of my favorite animated films that i've ever seen so and this is coming right off the back of having watched across the spider-verse again this past weekend which i gotta tell you it's the first time i've seen it since theaters blew me away absolutely blew me away i enjoyed it even more the second time i i at, as soon as the movie was over, I lifted both of my hands like I was on a roller coaster and I shouted favorite animated film of all time <laughs> out into the room. Wow. Uh, I've said this a few times on the podcast. My friend Brad has a theater that he built in his basement. So he's got the rumble seats. He's got the 5.1 surround sound, the 4K projector screen, all of that stuff. It It's like being in your own private movie theater. Um, Bronwyn had never seen Across the Spider-Verse before uh, Saturday night 
she was blown away by it. And I was just, God, that movie that the, the artists behind that film are doing things on another level, things that I've not seen. I've not seen the next evolution in animation since Pixar's Toy Story. These Spider-Man movies, this is this is the next the next wave of of animated films. You see it being replicated in other things. I recently watched the TMNT Mutant Mayhem movie, uh, which is kind of doing shades of what they've done in uh Spider-Verse, but holy crap. There's just so much variety. The the writing, the emotion of these characters, Rio, uh Miles' mom, just such an incredible character. Uh, Spider-Woman, uh, Gwen. I, I, I want a Gwen movie. I know that we're probably not going to get it, that what they're doing in Across and then Beyond coming out in two years, that'll be enough for them. But, oh my God, I want them to do another one. That's just Gwen. Just set it in a whole her whole other universe and do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really, really... Outside of the Studio Ghibli Miyazaki stuff, it it really is, I think, my favorite animated film of all time. So when all three of these movies are out, I can retire. I'll be set. I won't see <laughs> yeah. anything like it for another 20 years. So where can we see Robot Dreams, by the way? Is it in theaters or streaming or where? Is you it? know, I don't know. I was sent uh, a screener by Neon. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's coming out, it's, it's in the Oscars, so it'll probably be returning to theaters at least for a small run. Um, but I mean, it eventually will be out on, on Blu-ray and DVD and so on and so forth. But, um, I don't know. I can maybe look that up while we're, uh, you can, you can buy it, stream it online, like purchase, rent it. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, it's like Fandango has it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Bob. This or maybe, is... though, it's only in theaters. So, yeah. Oh, so you can rent it from the theater. We have yeah. we have that here. Like, if you go to Cineplex, yeah. uh, they'll, you know, you buy a certain amount of concessions or whatever. They will give you a free movie ticket to watch something at home off of their website. Um, but this will undoubtedly be available uh, at some point. I'll keep my eye out for it. Uh, but this is... One thousand percent a Bob Ryer movie. Cool. I thought about you the whole time that I was watching this, so I I'm think in. I think you'll fall in love with it. Oh, you, you've got elements of all sorts of things I love, and, and the way you describe the emotion of the characters' reaction—that's that's what can separate a really good animated movie from a great one. It's that level that gets grown-ups. And it touches your heart and soul and all that other sort of stuff. And you can still have all the fun things, but it's it's why Spider-Verse is as good as it is. The family dynamics with Gwen and her dad and Miles and his parents and those things add layers and those layers make it. So I'm I'm in. I'm in. I'll find it. I'll find Robot Dreams. I'll have to buy this one. All right. So I'm going to read you one short paragraph from my review just to tell you a little bit about the music. 
So Fueling Dog and Fueling Dog and Robots Emotional Journey is a spirited soundtrack by Alfonso de Villalonga, alongside smatterings of 80s-inspired funk, playful piano, and city sounds. Robot Dreams cuts loose with a collection of licensed music that will have you clearing space for a dance party. As I followed Dog and Robot through the city, artists such as Earth, Wind, and Fire, Buck Owens, the Feelies, Booker T, and the MGs, and William Bell filled the air with energy and hypnotic rhythm. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. There are break dancers on the corner. There are people selling some bread hot dogs. Nathan's Famous is in there somewhere. Uh, it's just like the boardwalk, all of it. It's it's all in there, and it is lovingly recreated. For like they managed to get all the branding. It's not, you know, uh one letter off to avoid gotcha. copyright infringement. It is all authentic to New York City. It's the most New York City movie that I've seen in a long time. Nice. So as a Canadian import who often misses my old stomping grounds, this was like I feel like Neon researched me. And then <laughs> sent this to me because they knew that I would fall for it. And I totally, totally did. I've only given out one other 10 out of 10 uh, on Joe Blow reviewing movies. And my other 10 out of 10 was Nimona. So if that's any indication of how good Robot Dreams is, there you go. do it. Go find it. Uh, and that's that's me. <laughs> Uh, let's skip the news and go to a question. Oh, a question? Someone had a question? Someone had a question. question. Someone sent in a question. A long, 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 long time listener of the show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, Here we go. There you go, Bob. The Super Bowl is this coming weekend, which routinely draws over 100 million viewers. Now, don't fear, as this question has nothing to do with sports ball, well, what I would like to know is what was the most memorable, hugest television event that you saw live as it happened? Steve? I have a probably a couple for this. Sure. Um, and my first answer is, is going to be... Um, oh, God. This is going to sound so silly, but it was an event at the time. I'm going to say the Lost Series Finale. Oh God! And the <laughs> the collective moaning <laughs> that happened thereafter. Um, Bob, you know my my friend Mish and her mom sure, Arnie. Yeah, okay, yeah. so our I think it was Wednesday night ritual, whatever whatever night it was that uh, that Lost was on the air every week, every time that a new episode uh, would come out, I would be at Mish's house with the family gathered around the living room, watching Lost. And boy, oh boy, did we fall for that show real hard. And when that series finale came up, the fervor and just the viewership, maybe not so much now because there are more people and there are more streaming services and whatnot, but as far as a live broadcast on cable television... That was an a, a television event like I had never been a part of. Of course, there are 
tons more throughout television history that are probably bigger than this. But as far as things that I was there for, uh, Lost series finale was huge. And I remember that episode happening and it was longer than other episodes. And I remember it ending and just kind of looking around the room at this stunned silence and contemplation of uh, two things happening. One, very early into, I think we were watching the first season, I called mm-hmm. what the final shot of the Lost series finale would be years ahead of time. And I was 1,000% on the money, like right down to it. It was it was word for word what I said it was going to be. Um, and the ending that they said so many times in when, so yeah. many interviews, you're all wrong. Mm-hmm. That's not what it's going to be. We've been planning this out for years. We we know what we're doing. You're all going to be shocked. And then they go ahead and it's exactly what they told you. Yep. It's what everybody theorized. Like They're in purgatory. Four, yeah. Four <laughs> years ahead of time. And it just ended up being that thing. And oh, my God. How oh they my... talk, how they talk down to us. Like we were all peons and idiots for thinking it and then they fucking wrote it it was like so i think between i have two other things that stand out one of them is also very recent uh and it was the final season of game of thrones i can't Mm -hmm. remember what episode number it was but it was the final season the giant battle of whatever the episode that was like just soaked sopped in darkness it was uh it the was war of me. three kings what was it the war of three kings yeah maybe yeah. that i don't know but yeah. i know that uh jess was here mm-hmm. and dan and sarah and me and bronwyn and we were all in our basement at the other at the uh <laughs> griffith house and we were we specifically got hbo to watch that all together we were going to cancel it at the end of the month but we got that specifically for that episode and the 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 low grade technical presentation of that episode you couldn't see a damn thing and they didn't even cop to it at first they were, it's supposed to look like that oh it was yeah their choice huh yeah, sure it's it's yeah. dark the 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 wings of the dragons are blackening out the sun yeah. and there's dust everywhere no 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 this is this is worse than any Snyder film I've ever seen. Wow. Like this is this is desaturation and dust to a point where it is you cannot tell what's happening, what's going on, who's living, who's dying, who's flying in on what. It was a disaster. And for that show to be in the position of disappointing an entire fan base and almost ruining the franchise, they managed to save it with House of the Dragon which I lasted 20 minutes into the first episode and then bounced. Um, This was universal in everybody's disappointment again uh, with that. And then the last thing that I'll say, I've mentioned this on the show before, but Bob, maybe you can remind me of the title, but New Year's Eve back in the 80s, 
there was a 3D uh-huh. presentation uh, of a film of a person on a buzzsaw. And you had to go to 7-Eleven to get the 3D glasses to watch this presentation. Oh. And it was the first time that I saw 3D on television through my grandparents' old ass, you know, C- uh, CRT television or whatever it was, tube television. Um, and they had the like red and blue and white sparks flying out of the TV as this person was sitting on a conveyor belt going toward a buzzsaw. Hmm. Uh... We figured this out. We did. A year and a half yeah. ago, we brought this up. Gotcha. I'll have to look back at my notes from a year and a half ago. I don't remember. I'll try to. One. I'll try to look it up online. They did, well, they did tons of monster movies. Ever that's coming at you. That you know, might be that, it. That might be it. All I need to do is see a image of it. I don't know. I'll. I'll. I'll continue to look it up while. Uh, while one of you is going down memory lane. <laughs> so, um, John, do you want to answer oh. this one? Yeah, go ahead, John. Uh, yeah, I think two stuck out to me. I I know that I was I one cyber. I know I watched the final episode of Mash with my parents. I just don't remember it. Oh, yeah. Um, because my dad was a huge fan of Mash. That's uh, on my list too. Yeah, yeah, but one I one I do remember is the final episode of Seinfeld. Um, that was. I mean, Seinfeld was like must see Thursday night TV. Uh, and then I remember. Like right, like a day before the final episode air, like the plot leaked, and this you know pre-internet, pre-Twitter, mm-hmm. and all that. And so I, I, you know, I still watched it. I still enjoyed it. And, and um, it was just a that was just such a, a a monumental show for the time. But I think the one that kind of rings with what with where this uh, question is going is, um, I remember begging my parents with my brother. For, to buy the pay-per-view of WrestleMania 3 yeah. from the Pontiac wow. Silverdome. Ah, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant when Hulk finally picks up Andre and slams him. Oh, and slams him. him. Yes. That, I, that, that, that solidified my eternal love for wrestling. I mean, I've, I always enjoyed it better then, but I still, like, uh, last weekend was the Royal Rumble and I'm getting all geeked up for... Uh, WrestleMania 40 in in April. It's like uh, it's it just that event was so you know it's just so epic and and you know the the bigger than life characters and and all that. So and that's one that I just remember uh, being a being. I was about I was about about 12, 12 years old, and I just remember like thinking how cool it all was, and so glad that my parents you know spent the thirty bucks I think for. My brother and I to watch that. So, yeah, those two ring out to me. I got a question yeah. for you, John. Yeah, go for it. What? And, and look, if this is if this is too hot or this is too big, and you don't want to get into it, just tell me no. What happened this past weekend with The Rock and WWE? Okay, so. Um, you know about what's going on with Vince McMahon, right? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Okay, I don't want I don't want to get into it, but he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, to remedy the um, kind of rehab their image, TKO, TKO, who owns WWE now, 
um, made Rock a board member, and they gave him full rights. He only partially owned the Rock name, so he now officially owns the entirety of the Rock name. So he gets like thirty million dollars a year for that. Wow! But what they've done is um, his cousin Roman Reigns is at this point in time. By September of this year, he'll be the longest reigning heavyweight champion ever. Um, and he can eclipse, uh, he's already, he's on, I think he just eclipsed Bruno San Martino. And then he'll, he'll go past Hulk Hogan in September. Um, they did the Royal Rumble, which Cody Rhodes won. And Cody Rhodes then gets to choose which champion he goes against uh you got roman reigns as the universal champion and then you got seth freaking rollins as the heavyweight champion cody was supposed to or was facing roman a couple years ago and lost and his whole big thing is he wanted to finish his story at smackdown or raw last week seth rollins kind of made it seem like he should take him on because of their history and then the history with dusty Rhodes, who trained seth rollins and then it's obviously uh, Cody Rhodes' dad, and then obviously on, on SmackDown on Friday night, uh, Cody came over there from Raw, and he was going to have this stare down with Roman, and everybody thought that he was going to um, call Roman out for WrestleMania, and then he says, "I'm going to take everything from you, but not at WrestleMania." I had a conversation with somebody, and I'm going to let them take care of the situation and then the can you smell what the rock is cooking and then the rock oh. appears, walks down he and roman stare off they want to they're both claiming to be the head of the table which is the the leader of the samoan contingent of okay. wwe wrestlers and then smackdown ends with those two staring off so rather than getting a good match between roman and cody we're gonna get roman basically carrying the rock for a 20 minute match or something. I don't know if they're going to make it the rock, the, the heavyweight champion of the world, which just seems stupid because he's not going to defend it very well. But basically the WWE is using the rock to rehab their image because Vince McMahon is a piece of shit. Yeah, sure. So is Dwayne Johnson, the new Vince McMahon? Is that like the position they're giving no, they, now, now that Vince sold all of WWE, there's a board of directors. So it's like R.A. Manuel. Um, I think Hunter Hearst Helmsley's on it. Um, it's um, it's the same people that own the UFC. Um, it's that it started as a talent agency, one of the biggest talent agencies, and they've just kind of morphed into this sports entertainment conglomerate. They just put The Rock on the, as the board of directors because The Rock needs to rehab his image after Black Adam and some. Oh, of after changing the hierarchy yeah. of the and DC some of the universe. Shit he did, yeah, some of the shit he did last year. So this kind of is a win-win. Like he gets to go back to his wrestling roots where he's beloved. Um, and and the is the, he though? Because there's a lot of people upset about this. I think there's a lot of people upset about it because he's past his prime. He's never he's not on the show. Like he doesn't do the weekly shows. And they keep building this story of Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns, and then just on a whim, Cody's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do it now. I'm going to give it to The Rock. And I think it pissed a lot of people off. I don't, I don't, this is what I expect from WWE. WWE is just a spectacle now. They're just going to, you know, they got Logan Paul. They got 
um, The Rock. They had John Cena during the the actor strike. John Cena was there. Um, if you want true old school wrestling story, you go watch AEW. If you want spectacle wrestling, you go to WWE now. So, and I love them both. So, haha, I can I can enjoy <laughs> both of them. <laughs> After all this time, we finally know what The Rock was cooking. Yes, a coup, a coup <laughs> yes. in two places. Yes, in two places at once. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad I asked. Mm-hmm. All right, Bob. I was talking wrestling five minutes. Yeah, go. <laughs> go ahead, Bob. What is uh John, what what are your, your your big time events? Well, John mentioned one of mine, the MASH finale from 1983. We were also big MASH watchers mm-hmm. and it, you know, 12 years in or whatever that was. To show you where television was at that point, that was viewed by a hundred and six million people. Wow. It, it was 60% of the viewing audience. Wow. There are only three channels, but still. Yeah, that's still pretty cool, spectacular. Though. That is, yeah. yeah that, I don't know if that'll ever be beat as a television as, as an show. Epi- as an yeah. episodic piece? No, definitely yeah. not. No. Uh, I mean, some of these sports events, the Super Bowl generally is up around that number. But I've actually seen all the Super Bowls. I'm that old. I've actually seen every single <laughs> one from the beginning. Uh, another one was, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the day after the TV movie about nuclear Armageddon. Oh yeah. I remember that. Uh, directed by Nicholas Mark, Jason Robards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, saw that I was, a, it's still the most watched television movie of all time It's well above a hundred million people. And that actually helped to change American foreign policy. It actually affected president Reagan mm. and had him looking at things a little differently. When you saw all of Lawrence, Kansas blown to smithereens. Um, sticking to television, I was very pleased to be able to watch the Motown 25 special I've talked about here before. Uh, I still have my off-the-air copy I recorded on VHS tape somewhere in this house. Is that the one where Michael Jackson set himself on fire? No, that's the one where he moonwalked for the first time. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Yeah, it had uh, Marvin Gaye doing what's going on. Yeah, Top of the Temps battling the Supremes reunion. It was pretty amazing, and that was only watched by 47 million people. Only? <laughs> only 47 million people. Uh, a couple of, of political social things. See, uh, Geraldine Ferraro nominated for vice president in 84. Mm-hmm. And certainly Barack Obama accepting the nomination for president. Just life-changing events. And you know, part, of, part of TV history, too. But no, these last two, I... I can't really separate them. They're both very, very different. But I'm uh, so there's no ranking, but just I was sitting in front of the television on a Sunday morning in 1963, and I watched Jack Ruby kill Lee Harvey Oswald live on television. Whoa! Did you really? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Television had gone off the air for the, the after the assassination, which was Friday, and so it was all news all the time. And so we decided, for whatever reason, we were going to have Sunday dinner, Sunday lunch, in front of the television. And we turned it on, and out of nowhere, this guy runs out of the crowd and shoots Lee Harvey Oswald and kills him. And my father said, there's something fishy about this. How does that guy get into a police station and kill somebody? And it affected the way I thought about that moment since. And, you you know, certainly it did Oliver Stone, I'm thinking, too, (laughs) considering what he would do. Yeah, but that was that was pretty stunning. There was no blood or anything, but you saw him die in front of you. That was pretty horrendous. On a, on a much lighter note, 
my dad let me stay up late on September 8th, 1966, and I got to see the first episode of Star Trek. Oh. And nice. changed change my viewing habits forever, and I have way too many Star Trek things around this house and episodes and books and whatever. But Yeah, that's it for me. How about you but, folks out there? Send us an email. What what TV did you watch that's one of these momentous, huge, crazy things? If we want to get really that? depressing, I remember my uh, remember the Challenger explosion. Yeah, I, I, I was the, heard, heard it on the radio. Yeah, but there was a teacher on board, so we were watching it in elementary school because of the, you know, the yeah, the, the, the you know, McAuliffe. Yeah, and then wow, that was like. They could not turn the TVs off fast enough, and I've never seen adults quiet, like just mm-hmm. not even sure what to say. And I, I was, I just, you know, it didn't connect with me yet what was what had just happened. And then I vaguely remember my mom crying because uh, Reagan got shot when Reagan got shot. That was live yes. on CNN. Um, yeah, she was a big out of a meeting or something yeah. right at that hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was coming out. He's coming out of a fundraiser lunch and. Not that she was a huge Reagan fan, but just it. it the it's, president. I mean, but it, yeah. it brought her back to JFK. She remembers watching JFK get shot, and um, just that you know that I guess that PTSD. So yeah, I didn't even think about you know the the that stuff, but yeah. Then positive I, note: the night Obama was elected, I remember the impromptu rally in Chicago. That yes, was, yes, yes. Yeah, that was yeah. No. I remember seeing the Columbia. I, I was listening on the radio, mm-hmm. and they said there, 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 there's something going on. And I got into work. I'm pretty sure it was a Saturday. Got into work and turned on the television, and they started to have the, the footage of what looked like a meteor shower, but wasn't. It was the Columbia Space Shuttle. Yeah, I remember radio. that. Yeah. Ugh. All right. Well, <laughs> oh, on that cheery note, again, folks, write us in. Tell us what uh, your great old TV memories are. We'd like to hear it. Oh my god. <laughs> I have I have two monitors and on the other monitor I'm just scrolling trying to find the uh rest of the outline for the notes and some dad is in his backyard at a barbecue attached his infant child to a drone and then the drone takes off with the baby <laughs> and the mom is just losing her mind. The guy is so dead later. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And maybe going to prison. (laughs) Oh, my God. The dog's leaping up, trying to, like, bring it back down. All right. Um, Let's see here. I think, yeah, with everybody else being uh, on assignment for this week, we're going to talk about what books we're looking forward to hitting the stands. Bob, what are you uh, looking forward to this week? Well, you're talking about Harley, Birds of Prey number six by Kelly Thompson is this week, and that, I believe, ends up this storyline. We have Poison Ivy 19, G. Willow Wilson, She-Hulk number five, FF 17, Doctor Strange 12, and Love Everlasting number 12. Nice. Nice. John, how about you? Uh, Batman 142, I'll probably check out Red Hood in the Hill, number zero, Shazam number eight. Avengers 10, uh, Daredevil Gang War 3, X-Men 31, Ultimate Black Panther 1, um, Rogue Sun number 18, and I might try out the Thundercats number 1. I think it comes out this week. Ah, who's the creative team for that? I do not remember. Oh, John. 
I will look it up while you you're are supposed going. to be my guy for this. I stuff. know. I just I got it. it. I got it. You're too slow. Uh, sorry. It's Declan Shelby and oh. uh, Drew Moss. I might have to check this out. I don't know. I'll tell you. I loved Thundercats as a kid. Mm-hmm. I tried watching Thundercats a couple of years ago for an article, and boy, oh boy, that show <laughs> sucks. Wow. It, 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 it does not hold up well, and there is so much sexual frustration in that show. Oh. The only episode worth a damn is the one with Silky, the hallucinogenic <laughs> plant, when uh, Panthro ends up... Uh, was it Panthro or... or um? Oh, God, what is his name? Tigro? Tigro. I think it's Tigro. He ends Tigro. Up, Panthro, Tigro, yeah. Tigro, Chitara, Wily Kit, Wily Cat, Snarf. I know, and Snarf. Oh, my God. That episode with Silky is fantastic. The rest of it's garbage. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, books that I'm looking forward to. After several weeks of playing one book, two book, I have multiple books on my uh, list this week. I've got X-Men 31, although I don't really know why. I've completely checked out on all of the stuff. I've been living vicariously through uh, John and Aaron and Joey and just kind of getting the Cliffs notes from you guys. And it all just sounds so entertainingly obnoxious. And I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll I'll continue with X-Men and, and Immortal and call it a day. But boy, oh boy, am I really not feeling the fire of this one. Uh, I finally caught up with Fantastic Four, so I'll be checking out Fantastic Four number Ooh. 17. By the way, 16 was fantastic. Knew Loved you'd it. love that one. Loved it. It was great. Um, Poison Ivy number 19. I am going to maybe start my Poison Ivy catch-up. I am going to start from the beginning uh, and read everything over again. So we'll see. I don't know. 19 issues is a tall order. I don't yes, know that I'll is. yeah, I don't know that I'll get that done. Well, especially... this, I guess this one starts a new arc kind of. So you could you okay. can read this one without having to, I think. I haven't read it yet. So did she have Night Terrors books as well? I don't remember. I was trying oh, to avoid God, those as much Night as possible. Terrors. Yeah, those what a were shit show. Those were uh the, the Harley Quinn I ones. I didn't did, even yes. talk about them during my lightning rounds. Mm-hmm. They weren't that great. Um Oh, I had one more thing to say about the Harley Quinn, but forget it. Uh, let's see. Birds of Prey, number six. Doctor Strange, number 12. She-Hulk, number five. The Cull, number five. Is this the last one, Bob? I believe so, yes. I forgot that. Yes, that is coming out this okay, week. Yeah. This, it's been, this it's I will read. Week. Yeah, this I will read yeah. for next week because I've only read the first issue. Uh, I was waiting until it was done, so I will read all of the cull for next week. I may try Thundercats, even though I said it was crap. I might try it. Um, Beneath the trees where nobody sees number three. <laughs> not through the trees. No, yes, not through the trees where no <laughs> one sees. No, through the trees is a song from Jennifer's body, isn't it? Yep. Beneath <laughs> the trees where nobody sees number three. John, this should be your week. Jump on board with me. All right. I'll give it a go. One one through three. Let's do it. Homicidal teddy bears. Let's go. That's right. Um, I have Kea number 15. This is the Wes Craig book. Um, I am picking this up, but I haven't read it in a while. And then uh, there's a new book from Image coming out called The One Hand number one that uh, I'm going to peruse for next time. 
And that's it for me. It's a lot of books compared to yeah. what I've been buying for the last few. So, and I got to go and do this GI Joe business and Transformers business too. So it's going to be uh, a week to buy comics, make up for lost time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, that's going to do it. Does anybody have uh, any close? Uh, oh, there's multiple closing statements yes. here. I John, see John go. I just thought that we would be remiss not to pay respects to the great uh, actor who we lost. Um, ah, yes. Carl yeah, Weathers. Carl Weathers. Uh, just, uh, I, I, my brother and I were texting once we heard, just so impactful, Apollo Creed, um, Action Jackson, Grief Karga from Mandalorian. Chubbs from Happy Gilmore, and he's freaking Dylan from Predator. Predator. Yeah, just, just. I mean, I, I don't know how many of the gifts I shared with um him and Arnold Schwarzenegger with that handshake. Yeah, with the biceps. Um, not you know he wasn't he he wasn't like the lead in anything, but everybody knew when he memorable and everything. Yeah, it was. He's just such a great, great guy, great actor. Yep, just such a and then. You know, seventy six, and I just saw him in commercials with um, uh, wow. Rob Kronkowski for the Super Bowl. So I hope that you know they do him right and they they pay their respects. But just for somebody, and especially with the kind of um, shows that this this podcast you know watches and and gets into, just really a prolific actor for yeah. sci fi and action genre. So he will be missed, and he was well respected tremendously. Yeah, he is one of those actors that. Anything he was in, he helped make it better mm-hmm. just by being there. Yeah. And I mean, I I grew up in a Sylvester Stallone mm-hmm. Rocky house. My oh, yeah. mother and my sister and my dad were obsessed with the Rocky movies. So Apollo Creed was never far behind in my mm-hmm. house. Those movies were playing on a loop and he shows up in a bunch of them. One before. Yeah, a Rocky yep. Four. Boo, boo, yeah. a Rocky Four. Uh, I saw, must break you. Saw yeah. Predator in uh, the Rocky Predator. Point drive-in. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, Action Jackson, just a classic. Mm-hmm. And his later work in Star Wars. And yeah, did you happen to see the uh, Sylvester Stallone video? Yeah. That he released like I the did. next day or later that evening or whatever. With the, it was. With the picture from Rocky yeah. Three. Yeah. Oh my God. Heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I was, I was like, I mean, I know that, I know that he's not perfect. Um, none of these people are, but like none no. of us are, to be honest. But, um, but that was honest emotion. Like that, that you was lost honest a emotion yeah. from him. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I grew up with Stallone and I, have uh, I have good memories and attachments to that to that stuff that like for somebody who doesn't have the strongest of connections with mm-hmm. his family anymore or whose father passed away like when I think of the good times I think of those movies and I immediately think of Carl Weathers and his impact on that franchise and just how many times he was playing on our TV when I was growing up yeah. he was just a titan uh, regardless of never hogging the spotlight. Yeah. So, Bob, you want to uh, jump in here for a minute? Sure. Uh, my little thing is talking about the book club for the book whose trigger warnings I read last week. 
which <laughs> is Butcher and Blackbird by Bryn Weaver. And we'll be doing that this Thursday evening if anyone's in the Huntington, New York area. Three's Brewing at 7 o'clock. We'll be doing that. It's a novel about two serial killers who go around killing other ones. And, and there's accidental and real cannibalism and all sorts of other terrible sexy things going on, too. Uh, I, I, I want to ask you, what was... Uh, some years back, there was a, I think it was an image book. There was a town of serial killers or whatever. What, what, what? That was Josh Williamson's um, uh, Nailbiter. Yeah. Nailbiter. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Nailbiter. Yeah. yeah we've got, we've got all the hardcovers for those upstairs. Mm -hmm. That is a fantastic series. Yeah. yeah I want to make sure I bring that one up. Uh, yeah. So thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you, Steve. Mm -hmm. There was a, there was a second series. So there was a revival series that didn't, um, ha didn't hack slash show up in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It started mm -hmm. off, in my opinion, it started off a little weird, but once it kind of settled back into itself, it's a really, really great follow up to that original series. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna take the journey, I highly recommend doing the whole thing. It is worth it in the end. Uh, but yeah, Nailbiter, classic. Gotcha. Yeah, that was. Uh, oh, I'm thinking of Ed Brisson. I gotta read Sheltered again at some point. That was really good, good. And Johnny Christmas. Yeah, Johnny Christmas. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard much of him recently. Didn't he do like Catbird or something like that? I think so. All right. What was it? But didn't he do a book with that Stephanie edited? Yeah. Cap Captara? Was that the one? Yeah. yeah um... No, that's Zdarsky. No, yeah. That's the. Okay. That's, yeah. There was. Um... Mm. Let me see. That... We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out um, for next time. He's on Swim Team, Firebug, Grema, uh, Sheltered, Pisces, Island. I'm not seeing Gamerville. I don't know. I don't remember, Stephanie. Oh, wait, there's more. Uh, yeah, Angel Catbird was the thing that we were thinking of. Oh, yeah. Um, that's That's pretty much it. I mean, as far as Google is concerned, but who knows when the last time this was updated. Yeah, no, I, I, there's definitely a book that, that Stephanie edited that he was part of, it, but I just can't think of it. I want to read Swim Team. Anyway. Anyway. I'll add that to the list. Small Waves, Big Changes <laughs> by Johnny Christmas. Coming to town. All right. Um, that's it. Get out of here. We're done. Bye. Wow. <laughs> we reach the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you could send us your comments or questions. Send us some questions. We love to answer them uh, through our email, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. Bob, where can our listeners find you? Old-fashioned email, Bob Ryer, talkingcomicbooks.com. And the movie, the book in question was called Tartarus. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, yes, I do remember that. Uh, John, if I were a listener of the Talking Comics podcast and woke up one morning and was like, damn it, I have a question that only John can answer. How would I get in touch with him? Lucky you. Oh, no. I, cre I created an you email did. specific for people who want to reach out to me. It is TalkingComicsJohn at gmail.com. All lowercase. John making a little note for himself to create this email once this podcast is wrapped up. 
Nope, I got it. It's no, like you actually last did week it. he was going to do it. Yeah, I created yeah, it. I see. All right, let's let's Chris, have Chris, that. Chris and Aaron, talking comics, John at gmail dot com. It sounds like somebody is writing an email on the toilet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that may be comics. where I created it. Yeah, it may, <laughs> might, may be. I might have done it like you know two hours ago. Going shit, I told Aaron and Chris I was going to do that. Amazing. <laughs> But That's New so Year's good. resolution done. done. <laughs> All right. Podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com and talking comics John. Was at, at gmail at gmail.com. There you go. And uh the Instagram is talking comics podcast. Again, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in, for going along on this wild ride with us as we settle into the new year. Uh, we've had some really good energy flowing through these shows. We've got a great crew. And uh, yeah, thank you for your patience as we kind of iron out some of the kinks. And every now and again, if I screw up with the audio on the show, just let me know and uh, and I'll try to fix it. Uh, yeah. And that is gonna do it. So uh, thank you, Bob. Sure. Why? <laughs> Thank you, John. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> and thank you, everybody out there in Radio Land. Be excellent to each other. Thank you all so much for listening. And until next time on the Talking Comics Podcast, to be continued. done the extra sign-offs in a while i thought no, we'd be ready no. i've gotten out of practice i know gotta kick, <laughs> kick off the dust okay sure sure i well, love a i love a good pregnant pause mm-hmm. just dead silence oh my god when chris made their uh their twilight joke last week and that was good. no one <laughs> laughed for like 14 <laughs> seconds <laughs> That was hilarious.